welcome to the Tala Wellness Hub podcast. I'm Marta Hamilton. And today, our wellness expert is Anne Robinson. Anne Robinson is a trauma therapist for women and teens in Fort Collins, Colorado, and virtually throughout the state of Colorado and Indiana. She's the co-owner of Two Rivers Therapy Colorado and is wildly passionate about mental health care. Welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. And I forgot to mention, you know, something that um, Anne really specializes in. So I'm so grateful that you're here today. You talk a lot about when others feel lonely, alone, overextended, overwhelmed, and like when people feel like they have everyone in life fooled. So you mentioned that you understand feelings and you're super motivated to help. And so I'm so grateful you're here to talk a little bit about this because there's just a lot of burnout. There's a lot of overwhelming feelings right now. But before we dive into those topics, my first question for you is why do you do the wellness work that you do? Yeah. First, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Oh, absolutely. It's an honor for me to have you here and talk about this. Yeah. I think the thing that drew me to working with humans in general, right? For specific (laughs) and other therapists, therapists in training, is really knowing that you're so likely to give way more Mm -hmm. than we are willing to be. And knowing how that contributes to our overall sense of connection and community. Uh, I think one of the superpowers that I bring to the table is really my commitment to community and my commitment mm. as, as people's wellness journey. So I came to this career in like a long and windy road, like most of us, where mm-hmm. I, I flirted with it for a long time and then I'd back out and then I'd come back in knowing that this is really where I'm passionate is in supporting folks in my community, supporting folks in my state supporting other therapists, social workers, so that we can continue to do good work and support the people that we love. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, something that I found out about, and before we started our recording is that you also offer supervision and consultation, which is separate from therapy, which is really cool for, I think sometimes we have a limited idea of what therapists can do. I've gone to therapy myself, right? And I am a therapist, but so oftentimes therapists may wear many hats. So offering consultation and offering supervision and helping to make an impact by training other therapists. So I think that's awesome that, you know, I can, I can hear your heart really just like have a passion for mental health care not just directly in your clients, it sounds like with your community and shaping future therapists as well. So yes, that's awesome. We talk about burnout a lot in our society and I'm imagining just hearing a little bit about why you do the wellness work you do. You probably see burnout on different levels, whether it's within our profession, but also with others, like millennial burnout. So this, can you just kind of describe that? Yeah. Like what do you what does burnout usually show up as? Like how do you how do you know if you're getting burnt out? Yeah. I think, you know, this was something that I feel really passionately about because it is something that impacts all of us at different points in our lives and our careers. And I fondly refer to burnout as like the case of the Christie. Right. Where mm-hmm. like we're super, we're still super involved in what's happening in our world professionally, 
but we just cannot seem to pair in the same way that we want to. Or mm. the opposite end of the same spectrum is that we can't stop thinking about it, right? We don't have the the balance that we're all striving and speaking for and mm. being able to put it down, put it away, shut the computer, turn off the phone, get outside, mm-hmm. do the stuff no replenishes us because we're feeling this like pull and this desire and this need and just feeling like I'm the only one who can do this. And I think this is a really pervasive in the mental health world, but also mm. again, it's really gendered, right? So for people who identify as female, people who identify as women, knowing that we're again, like willing to pour from our own cup, even if we have like very little in there to offer. Mm-hmm. So. It's a really, it's a, like a call for reclamation and saying like my time is valuable. I am valuable and I am mm. more, I have, I'm more than my output, right? Yes. Yeah. That's so interesting. You bring that up because I think so often in our kind of hustle culture, value is typically correlated or like really attached to what we output, like what, how we perform how fast we perform, what we perform, what we create, that's so tied to our self-worth or our value. So how like revolutionary, but at the same time, not right. Like to say, actually, like that doesn't have to be where your value is and your time is important. And what kind of suggestions do you make or recommend for those who are trying to pull away from those things that are pulling them and to reinvest in themselves. Yeah. So I think that it's just like the idea of self-care, right? Mm-hmm. And that like not all self-care look one way. There's not one solution or one thing that's going to cure burnout. There's not one thing that's going to make us wake up tomorrow and feel refreshed and excited. Mm-hmm. But really, first of all, it's about getting honest with yourself, right? And like where, where on the spectrum of burnout am I? Am I like teetering? In between like a season of stress and burnout, am I all the way over into like burnout to the point of no return? Mm. Right? Like where are my priorities currently landing? And then approaching it from that perspective. So like once we've got an inventory of where we're sitting and what we need or where we mm-hmm. think we are document, then we can come up with a plan, right? And a plan of action. It could just like when you're feeling really anxious. The mm-hmm. idea of taking a bath, right, makes you want to like crawl out of your skin. Not yeah. the right mention of the right time. Mm-hmm. It's similar in the way that it could be something as simple as like writing down five or ten things that you enjoy doing and mm-hmm. coming up and over the next few months to do them. Mm-hmm. Right? It's mm-hmm. looking at little windows in your schedules, five minutes, ten minutes, thirty minutes where you can shut your computer and be really intentional about doing something that feels good and that feels replenishing. It could be about connecting with people that you know and love. Whatever really works for you. But I think one of the things that's so important is remembering that the little things count and the little things Mm -hmm. matter. It Mm -hmm. doesn't have like a 10-day vacation in that show. It can be like a walk to the mailbox and back, right? As a plate. Yes. I'm so glad you bring that up because I do think that unfortunately in the wellness space, 
we can totally overcomplicate things. And I think, yes. And it's like, like you said, it needs to be like a 10 day retreat to rediscover yourself, which are wonderful. But there are also things that the small things, everyday things. I love that example of walking to the mailbox, of setting a timer and shutting down the computer, you know, just making it really accessible. And I loved when you talked about honesty, like honesty of where you're at with burnout, but probably also honesty with what will work as self-care for you. Like what will make an impact and what do you want to realistically incorporate into your everyday life? Right. And then also knowing like, are we at a Hail Mary point where we really need to like shut down and take a break or take a leave from work Mm -hmm. or do what? Or is this a space where like finding a new supervisor might be really rejuvenating Mm. or connecting with a therapist might be really rejuvenating or partnering with a friend or colleague Mm -hmm. committing to some kind of accountability with one another Mm. on shutting things down at a certain time of day or not thinking on new clients or whatever it might be, that's building a system of support around you. Because yeah. the other traps that come with burnout is that we really do feel alone when we feel burned out, mm-hmm. right? Not only am I burned out, but I can't really tell people about how I'm feeling. And there's a lot of shame that comes with being burned out. There's a mm-hmm. lot of I should know better. Other people can do this job. Other people can live this life. I'm so ungrateful. Like we're really hard on ourselves. Mm-hmm. Knowing that like, there's larger systems at play that are mm-hmm. contributing that we feel. Mm-hmm. And we didn't create this on our own and we certainly can't cure it on our own. Absolutely. I, I'm wondering what, at what point do people seek help like in from a therapeutic standpoint because you mentioned options for when you're feeling burnt out at what point do you t- typically find people start to go to therapy is it like okay i'm wondering if i'm burnt out or like i need to make some drastic changes i'm wondering cuz like what you mentioned that kind of push through culture and like hustle culture i think and you know you specialize i, I saw like really working with women I think that typically there's an invisible load. Like I should be able to do all these things and be this super hero person, just that kind of that pressure and invisible load. I'm wondering at what point do people come work with you? And when would you encourage someone to seek help, right? At what point? Yeah. So people typically come and start working with a therapist or a new supervisor when there's been like there's a little bit of white flag with already waving, mm-hmm. right? Of like, I don't know anymore when I'm feeling really concerned and scared. But I don't think I can continue on like this for much mm-hmm. longer. For, like this pressure tipping point. And I think one of the the ways that we can care for ourselves in a really like genuine and authentic way is in seeing help as a prevention effort as opposed to an intervention effort, right? Of like, mm-hmm. from this belief that I should be able to do it on my own and when I mm-hmm. can't, not for help. Mm-hmm. That is, it's such a shift. It could be such a mind shift. I'm imagining and seeing that shift in in your clients, I'm sure is very rewarding, like helping facilitate that you mentioned the loneliness and the isolation that can come come from it. For listeners out there who may feel like I'm experiencing a little bit of this feeling, like there's this creeping feeling of like, 
I don't know. Like, I, I don't know if I can do this or kind of imposter syndrome. I'm sure that's part of it. What resources or recommendations would you have? Would you make? Yeah. So I think for folks that are like flirting with this feeling, right? Mm-hmm. Where, they're, mm-hmm. where they're seeing it in the, in the near future, but maybe aren't identifying with it wholly or mm-hmm. they're seeing twinges of it, but are still like have a light at the end of the tunnel. I think that's a really beautiful time to start taking an inventory of what your life looks like and how your time looks back. So this is a really great time to invest in relationships that feel really rewarding. This is a time to reconnect with hobbies that feel, that build a sense of efficacy, mm-hmm. right? I this and I know I can do it. This is a really great time to try to think of other things that are really helpful. This can be a really great time to root down and do some reflection. So whether it's like journaling or a lot of people find a lot of reward from volunteering and volunteering in spaces that are unrelated mm. to, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can walk on Saturday morning or I can help paint this nonprofit building or whatever it might be mm-hmm. as a way of also diversifying your social fear too. Because right. the more stressed we get and the more isolated we feel, it's partially because we're surrounded by people who are sharing stresses with us. So whether mm. those new moms, whether they're therapists, whether they're teachers, nurses, like we end up creating community that is reflective of what we're doing every day. Wow. Yes. You're so right. And looking for ways to diversify can be really rejuvenating and refreshing in that like, I don't have to be a therapist today or I don't have mm-hmm. to talk to the today. I can just like help out in the community garden. And that's a really beautiful way to kind of save Austin from getting too crispy. Mm-hmm. It's also nice time to reflect in our priorities, right? Of like, are there things in my job that I'm really not that good at and mm-hmm. that other that are suited for? And instead of forcing a square peg in a round hole, can I ask, mm-hmm. right? And I can do something for them that I'm really good at, but feels really hard for them to do. Mm-hmm. Knowing what you're good at and what you like to do also really helps. Yeah, I'm hearing like a lot of that self-honesty and inventory. And something that I think is really unique is you're describing kind of the process for burnout and isolation, just feeling overwhelmed but you also have a really specialized background with helping therapists through, you know, group consultation. How do you translate for those who are maybe therapists out there listening? How does that translate? How does your work, how can you help them navigate that as therapists? Yeah. So especially a like fully licensed therapist in most states, we're not really required to do ongoing supervision. So for yeah. it's voluntary. And there's this bizarre cultural thing about therapists where we're like, oh yeah, I don't need that anymore. I'm done. I did my two years, yeah. like my one year, whatever it was post-grad. And now I don't need consultation. And just like going to therapy as a client, having a clinical supervisor is so refreshing, mm. so curating, and so empowering in this in the space of like someone else is seeing what I'm seeing, someone else is able to offer me feedback, someone is able to empathize. Mm-hmm. Because in our we really 
we don't spend a lot of time talking about what's happening in our practices. Right. And there's a lot of reasons for that, right? Yeah. We should spend a lot of time talking with the people in our right. life practices. And because of that, it's really important to carve out spaces that we can talk about those things and we mm-hmm. can think and we can explore things like imposter syndrome or burnout or compassion fatigue. Mm-hmm. And no, like those don't have to be dirty words. We have responsibility to normalize, but this is what happened. Mm-hmm. And that when we normalize it, we can take away some of the shame and blame that we feel. And that's when we're able to receive help. Yes. You know, just this normalizing, I think is so powerful. I I think there's a lot of like hidden things that people don't maybe don't openly discuss. And like you mentioned, contribute to to maybe some shame. As a therapist myself, I totally can understand, relate and imagine a lot of kind of the dynamics that can contribute. And I, I really enjoy continuing with supervision and my own therapy as well. I just, I think it's important to kind of reflect, to talk to somebody else. I often say it's kind of like if you're a personal trainer and you're guiding other people in their workouts, but like you don't go like ever consult with other personal trainers or what other people, you know, like it would be, or doing your own workout, like that, that would be really kind of hard to navigate. So I think that's wonderful that you're really like focusing on those dynamics that can can happen and 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 really bring to light those dynamics that happen for therapists. And beyond therapists, what are some individuals, I know you mentioned like moms, for example, or people with work. What are some examples of, I think, groups of people that you think maybe tend to be more isolated or feel feel more lonely and maybe would benefit the most from really having that honesty and inventory and looking how to be proactive in their wellness? Yeah, so I, that's a really great question. And I'm really glad you asked that. I think anyone who knows walking through the world with an identity that feels marginalized mm-hmm. is ultimately carrying the burden of mm-hmm. wanting to present in a way that is strong, that is independent, that is mm-hmm. because there's such a fear of being. Yes. So that can translate to, I guess, Paris, but translate to young female identifying people, queer people, trans people, really, I think both humans, right? Yeah. Operate place of, like, I feel really alone mm-hmm. and I can well, Even if I'm surrounded by people all day, I still don't totally feel cool. Right. In terms of kind of being seen and the visibility, there's some people out there listening who maybe have never tried therapy. So what would a therapy session with you, for example, like what would it look like in terms of that? I mean, it sounds like it's really looking at the inventory. I know I've heard a a little glimpse, but I'm like really curious of like, it's like a inventory, it's being honest, it's evaluating individual self-care needs, anything I'm missing. Yeah. The thing that's most important in a therapeutic or a supervisory relationship is the mm. report people you're working yes. with. Oh, so that comes like with that in my office, it comes with a lot of humor. It comes with a mm. lot of being vulnerable. It comes yeah. with a lot of sleep thing, right? So much like you were talking about taking a bath when you're feeling really anxious. Right. It's like 
not the right intervention. Mm-mm-mm. Therapy is similar in that you and whoever's listening like literally deserves a therapist or a support person in their life that's able to walk with them as they're ready to walk. Mm-hmm. So it's never been that necessarily like your first session with you would involve an inventory and an uh, exploration mm-hmm. and a plan moving forward, but really about sharing faith with another human, mm-hmm. sharing what feels important to share and connecting on things that are similar and appreciating things that are different and giving you a space to share what kind of human you want to be. Mm, yeah. Your life to look like. Combative risky enough to say that out loud. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. I, lo- I love that, that you say that, to have that space to share that out loud because sometimes we don't have the those opportunities to share those kinds of big, big dreams or big shifts in, in our day-to-day conversations and how empowering for people to be able to come to the space and be like, this is what I like envision. This is what I, this is what's not working for me. It sounds like, and this is what I'd like to have. And with humor and like humanness, I'm hearing you say, I bring humanness to the human experience. <laughs> yeah. Gift I can give, right? It's human. <laughs> yeah. Humanness. Uh, that's awesome. I think it's just, especially after COVID, I don't know if you've seen a shift in terms of this feeling of of reevaluating, of overwhelm. I'm I'm wondering kind of, and I say after COVID, because I know COVID's still present, but I'm saying after, you know, lockdown, pandemic, major shifts, what what kind of shifts do you see people really looking at? Like it, whether it's mind shifts or things that they're evaluating. Yeah. And I think this is what for not really speaks to a lot is that folks have had a chance to I'm not like dabble in what life could be or things that we didn't think were flexible before. Mm-hmm. And it's that curiosity always comes the challenge, right? Of like, right. can this be different? Can I ask for something more? Can I be like, do I need to be working the way that I'm working? Do I need to be the person that all of my friends always call when they have a problem? Mm. Can I ask for something different? And that that's hard. It's hard to change our relationships. It's hard to question structures that have always felt really familiar, even if they haven't felt good. And I think that's one of the things that we've gotten from COVID. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we've got this like a rapid rate to getting back to normal. But at the right. same time, like folks are saying, like, you only really want a few guys. Or are there like parts of normal that we want to leave behind and reinvent? Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. You know, I recently spoke with a grief specialist, Wendy Kessler, and we talked a little bit about like our American society is just really focused on bouncing back, right? Like on returning to normal. And what you're sharing really speaks to that. Like, okay, let's just go back to normal. And I wrote this down while you were speaking because it really curiosity brings challenges. Like that is so powerful. And because I think you're right. It's like we have questions that have come out and 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 I love that you describe it as curiosity and challenges because it doesn't mean it's a problem, right? To reevaluate relationships or your work. It's not like something's wrong with you or like, you know, you're too crispy, like you mentioned. <laughs> like and 
I love that it's a, an opportunity for a challenge and to reevaluate. I really loved how you described that. Yeah, I think it's really helpful when we look at it as a as a challenge instead of a problem, mm-hmm. because really most challenges are challenges by choice. Mm-hmm. Obviously, when we're looking at like big big life events or things like when mm-hmm. you're talking specialists, like there's not a lot of choice in when we're grieving, but mm-hmm. there's choice in how we grieve. And if mm-hmm. we're grieving alone, if we're grieving with others, if we're if we're racing back to normal, right? Mm-hmm. But bringing lots of stuff with us when we do that because we haven't resolved it yet. Mm-hmm. Well, I know you can see clients, it sounds like in Colorado and Indiana virtually, and therapists as well in both states, right? Yeah. yeah. Where can people contact you, learn more about you? How can they connect with you? Yeah, so they can find me on my website, which is QRiverTherapyColorado.com. They can also find me at the same handle on LinkedIn and Facebook. Mm-hmm. And my email is Ann, at QRiverTherapyColorado.com. And I was forward to hearing from them. Oh, yes, absolutely. I'm going to include links too in the show notes for anybody to who wants to talk to Anne a little bit about maybe their own feelings of as a therapist, as an individual, as a human, right? We talk about the humanness of this, who is kind of reevaluating or curious, has some questions and curiosity and maybe feeling overwhelmed or at the point of burnout or pre-burnout or deep in burnout. It sounds like just being able to have that support. I'll make sure to include those notes. And wellness is defined as the quality or state of being in good health, especially as an actively sought goal. So I loved that you mentioned that you kind of look at like, where do you want to be? You know, there's this active process of goals when it comes to wellness. That is wellness. So for those who are working on setting goals for wellness or actively working to reach their wellness goals, working towards wellness, what words of encouragement do you have for them? I think I'd love to remind people that wellness is not a destination. It's a journey. Mm -hmm. So every Mm -hmm. step take towards wellness is a victory. Absolutely. I love that because my, my intention and my goal, even with this podcast, is that even by listening in on this, like this is part of the wellness journey. This is part of it. So And I really thank you for offering your expertise and your education and your background to be a part of our listeners' wellness journey and their participation of wellness just by listening in on this conversation. So thank you so much, Anne. And feel free to reach out to her and connect with information in the show notes. Thank you so much. 